It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 142 of the Adam Shine Podcast, and we have a tremendous episode as we are in Phoenix for the week of the Super Bowl. And Gene Steratore from the NFL on CBS is the featured guest this week. And Gene is just incredible about his career. He's a superstar on television. And you realize Gene was the lead official for the Calvin Johnson Did He Catch It game? The Des Bryant Did He Catch It game? We'll get into that with Gene. We'll get into when he used the index card with the Raiders and what the hell happened on Championship Sunday and what a ref has to do in terms of preparation for Super Bowl Sunday. It's a pretty amazing and eye-opening conversation with the great Gene Steratore, and you guys are absolutely going to love it. We are in Phoenix. This is my 18th straight year covering the Super Bowl for SiriusXM. It's the only time we travel for work and i love it it's a great week radio road doing shine on sports doing time to shine our radio show television show sirius xm man Doug sports radio cbs sports network respectively and i just love every element of it the guests the camaraderie and going out for dinner the exercise the sun in phoenix phoenix is great great place for the super bowl downtown phoenix everything is walking distance the weather is great the restaurants are fantastic the people are unbelievable and bob stew we had an unbelievable dinner we're taping this on tuesday at 10 o'clock eastern time and we just finished shine on sports and we had a great dinner last night at Dick's Hideaway, and you want to talk about an unbelievable meal. It's, it's Mexican food, but, you know, it's, it's even more than that. And it's a small restaurant. I went in 2015 with Nick Costos, and we went last night, and it was Mad Dog Russo, Steve Torrey, Dog's producer Ed Erickson, yours truly, you. It was the perfect five to go for a great dinner. It was incredible. Oh, yeah. I've been dreaming about this restaurant since 2015, <laughs> and it even out-kicked my expectations. You know, pressure if you're going to tell dog you have to go somewhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, the appetizers, the queso, best queso I've ever had. Delicious. Shrimp wrapped in bacon oh my gosh was off the chart steve tory decided to get the onion rings which i thought was an interesting <laughs> order they might have been the best onion rings i've ever had 
The meal itself, I had this pork and the mole sauce. Oh, yeah. Mounds of food. Mounds, yeah, mounds. What of did you it lightly. get? I got the carne adovada. Oh. Let me tell you something, Adam. I looked at the menu and I said, you know, this is, this is moderately priced. I would imagine it's not going to be too much. And they bring out the plate. It's like you're basically eating from a trough, Adam. I couldn't <laughs> believe how much food was on this plate. I, I was just, I was blown away. I finished half, and I felt like I accomplished something last night. I finished half of my food. I had a couple of bites. Bob was nice enough to share. I, I mean, my meal was unbelievable. Your meal was as good, if not better. Oh. I mean, that's that's an all-time meal. Yeah. Great conversation. I, I love this part of the whole, you know, I talk to people, friends about this all the time. You know, I always say I'm on, right? I'm always doing radio all the time. I'm doing TV, the podcast. I'm prepping. We go out for dinner, and, you know, there are certain dinners you go to that you love. You love the group. You love the people. Others you kind of just have to do. Last night, that was the perfect meal and the perfect group of people to go have a meal with. I couldn't agree more, Adam. It was unbelievable. Just just listening to the doggy as always. It's a treat. It's a treat. And dog is obsessed with people's travel. Yes. So we were talking oh. about February vacation. I think obsessed is putting it lightly. Adam. He wants obsessed. to know how you get. He's going to be on the plane with you. I mean, he wants to know in general how you get anywhere from point A to point B. <laughs> so he asked if I was taking the annual Caribbean trip after the after the Super Bowl. I said, uh, no, actually, this year, for the first time ever, I'm going to Israel with the family. I mean, you would have thought I just said, hey, I, I'm going to give you a treasure map, and there's going to yeah. be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Uh, I was telling him the itinerary, the travel when we get in, you know, the how long. It's a ten-and-a-half-hour flight. I mean, Dog was absolutely obsessed with that. Right know, up his alley. An hour later, he was still talking to you. Well, I, I think that's a big mistake, the way you're doing this, Adam. I, I don't know. Maybe you should change this and change that. And hey, You're not changing You're not changing anything. I, I'm like, Dog, I'm not flying first class with my kids. <laughs> like, it's not even on the radar. I'm not, I'm not taking seven-year-old Theo Shine into first you class. You know what my favorite about the whole thing was? He was just asking about, like, the logistics of it. Are you sitting five in a row here? How, are you, how is everybody sitting here? <laughs> Where, where are you putting the kids? Are they going to sit with you? Where are they going to sit? I just, I was dying. I, uh, this is uh, just the logistics of where you're sitting on the plane is always, for a dog, it's, it's the most important thing. Back of the plane, middle of the plane, front of the plane, where are you? Where are you going to be? That's all that matters. Then. He is something absolutely special. We will make our official Super Bowl prediction. We'll get into Kyrie Irving. we got a great text from Jack Shine. All right now it's time for the great Gene Steratore, the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Mike Babchick from Morning Man of Mad Dog Sports Radio. When you are done listening to Shine, come hear me as I roast them. It's Patrick's Morning After the podcast. We try to make sure our bosses never find out about it. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine Podcast, one of my favorite people in the business, the rules analyst from the NFL on CBS, my guy, the great Gene Steratore. Gene, how are you? Adam, I'm doing well. It's great to see you, my friend. It is great to see you. And look, it's Super Bowl week, and we talk about the players. We talk about the coaches. You know what it's like being the lead official, being the referee in a Super Bowl. From a referee perspective, what's Super Bowl week like? Well, I I think after you get over the initial shock, and in my personal case, having six brothers and sisters, three children, you know, and all of the uh, all of the ticket purchases that needed to take place and realizing (laughs) that I had to work three more seasons to pay for the Super Bowl, you know, uh, price tag that it brought. um, It it, it is that moment, Adam, truthfully, like it's uh, it's one of that small handful of phone calls that you get that tell you congratulations, you've been assigned to a Super Bowl, right? And then reflection takes over immediately. Uh, again, the then the prep to, to see who you can get there and, uh, and how that can be navigated. And then truly very quickly after that happens, uh, it is, it's embracing the fact that this just isn't another game, right? It's the Super Bowl. This is a uh, this is a part of our American history, and you are going to be an active participant in that. So I think it is recognizing and embracing the level of of, of importance of this contest, and then doing your best as the teams I'm sure will be doing as well once they get through all of the extra, you know, extra kind of extra things we all deal with on Super Bowl uh, week moving to the game. It is trying to get back into that regular season routine as quickly as possible, right? So you try to get all that put away, and then hopefully you've got that four-day, five-day window where I'm back kind of to what I do and on the bike on a regular week. So, and it's interesting, and I love that answer, and I love the detail, and the refs are human too, right? I mean, we have to have that conversation. So it's it's Super Bowl Sunday, and pregame takes forever, and the anthem's going forever, and halftime takes forever. Can it be a normal Sunday, a regular game for the officiating crew? No. No, again, it can't. Um, It can once we kick the ball off. Uh, and then, as you said, you know, a regular Super Bowl halftime is what, 12 or 13 minutes. So by the time uh, the older group gets to their locker rooms and things, you're almost turning around again, too. So there are breaks there. Um, there is that element of the pause in between. Uh, so the uh, the importance of staying relevant in that downtime um, is really important, and it's a great point, Adam, because really once the game does start, you are back into the progressions that you go through every 25 seconds. Uh, but it is in those downtimes that you need to try to keep yourself at a different pace and 
you really can't prepare for it because it That's doesn't right. happen on any other week too. So you do have to recognize that and then and then work through it. I think that's a great response, and that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you certainly were the lead official. You refed a lot of gigantic sporting events, college basketball, NFL. You know, I think back to, you know, San Francisco, Seattle, and, you know, you know those teams. That's going to be a heavyweight fight without question. Do you do anything differently in terms of preparation or film study? Does a ref, does an official... Are you in tuned with who's playing, who's coaching, style of play when you go into a monster game like that? Yeah, and and in all honesty, I'll humbly say that is the regular routine week in and week out. So officials are doing that every single week. Crews are doing that. The officiating staff made up or crew made up of seven on-field officials and two replay officials. Uh they are all by their position by their positions on the field, only really working no more than two or three players or an area for the entire day. Right, the deep wing officials have the widest receiver on their line of scrimmage or on their side of the ball, and go through certain progressions. Every official has that little area of the field, and within that area of the field, that is where their matchups take place. Right, so a back judge deep in the middle of the field has the third receiver in, which is the tight end most of the time. So when you have someone like the Chiefs, you know Travis Kelsey's a go-to player, right? So naturally, uh, the Eagles in this case will maybe try to have a few words before the game that, hey, you know, don't let Kelsey push off a little bit down there, right, on that end. And then conversely, on the other side, you may have someone walk over from the Kansas City side and say, you know, don't let them hold my tight end today. Right. So, yeah, those those matchups are taking place every game, all games. And then, as you said as well, not only is it the matchup that you're going to officiate as a, as a certain official on the field, it is then pulling back enough to understand this is the style of game either one of these teams play. These are their tra- their tendencies, how they trend, what they do in these scenarios. So it's a very, very detailed and in-depth analysis of as much as you can prepare to anticipate uh, so that if you did your homework well, when that situation presents itself on the field in real time, knowing that we prepped for that for three days before and then seeing it happen, it creates a level of preparedness and confidence amongst the third team on the field when when you can kind of hit your button and say, that's the play we talked about yesterday. Yeah. It just yeah. happened. Then everybody feels that, right? You feel that grouping together right in the moment of we are really screwed in today and we know what's happening here. So, yeah, it happens at a high level. I never, as a talk show host, like to do officiating radio. It, it, it bores me, frankly. Now, <laughs> there are exceptions to the rule, right? I mean, it's just it is what it is. You know, <laughs> on the Monday after Championship Sunday, it was all ball. There were issues with the officials. It, it just was part of the deal, Gene. Yeah. AFC title game, whether it was the extra down, whether it was the Mike Hilton hold where you said, hey, I didn't agree with that call, which I agreed with you completely. That was a big underrated play in that game. How would you characterize the officiating during the AFC championship game? 
uh, well, how I would characterize, I thought the first half went really, really well. We were actually buzzing through, well played, right? Not a lot of fouls, uh, nothing ticky-tack, not, n- nothing to start the conversation the next day. Unfortunately, when we had the scenario between second and third down, right, and we all witness, unfortunately, including the officials and, the, and, and that level of person on the field, uh, when you experience a concentration breakdown, a lack of what we all can see, again, uh, you know, a lack of focus, right? And when you see a breakdown like that occur, and then we see the implementation of something that outside of maybe our backyard or on the playground court, we have a do-over, you know, uh, something that's kind of unprecedented in organized sports. Uh, Immediately, now the perception of this entire contest is spinning on a different path. And you are aware of that as an official, by the way, because you know that you have had something like that. You are that aware. So now every other scenario that was a 50-50 play, every other close decided judgment during that contest, that the guys and gals and stripes know we get no love on any of those 50-50 plays now, right? Because, because we're not focused or because we're this or that. And that's a challenge uh, to officiating in every sport, if you have breakdowns or miss what we would call in, the, in our game, like the layup, then you know these other tough calls for the remainder of this day, right or wrong, are just kind of skewed toward the negative toward you. Um, and let's face it, when they announce the officials before every game, Adam, no one's really cheering and standing up and holding posters and stuff too, <laughs> right? So you're going into this without a lot of love other than the people you bought the tickets for. <laughs> I think you summed that up perfectly. By the way, the, the hit on Mahomes at the end, I, I thought, I mean, you hate that that's a deciding play, but to me, Gene, that's a no-brainer. He's out of bounds. The, I mean, he hit him. I mean, I thought that was an easy call, and frankly, a great job by the officiating crew throwing that flag in that spot. Yeah, and you know, look, I live my whole life by saying, I wish the officials had just put the whistle in their pocket or swallow the whistle for the last two minutes. Let the players decide, right? When you really think about that, if you don't call this late hit on Patrick Mahomes with two feet clearly in the white, not tightrope in the sideline, this is two feet in the white, right? This is a foul everywhere. And Patrick Mahomes gets hurt and there's no flag, right? Or there's just no flag. Then, your lack of interacting on something is more egregious than taking care of business for what's presented to you. So in that case, that, that really, to me, just, it was a very obvious play and it's a play that not, it needs to be called. I know you didn't have obviously the NFC title game, but I want you to educate me a little bit on maybe the mechanics involved with Devonte Smith and a ball that I'm watching on TV and I think it's caught. I, Sitting on my couch, he yes. caught the ball. Then yeah. the minute you see a replay, oh my goodness, it wasn't <laughs> even close. So what yeah. should have happened? What could have happened? Should that have been called incomplete on the field? Is that one where it's the whole now eye in the sky needs to be involved? Educate me and the listeners on what should have happened. 
I'll do my best to stay as brief as possible. Um, ironically, I had just got to the production truck on location at Kansas City. So that game was on on one of the screens in the truck when that pass occurred. And I go into now what is this new officiating world I live in of looking at video and trying to decipher things in split second time. And when I saw the play in real time in the truck, just because when he goes airborne and lands, he crumbles and everything looks natural for the most part, right? Uh, but even on the first take, the broadcast clip, you just don't see the football, right? Immediately in my world, that's smoke. That means that's not decisive right now on the first take because I didn't see the ball. So I don't know. You know, Devontae doesn't kind of come up holding the ball and trying to sell that he caught this. The defensive backs aren't really waving incomplete like they like to do. By the way, neither of which is paid much attention to by the officials because players are always trying to sell something, right? So you kind of pass by. But initially, I thought it feels right, but there's smoke because there's no view angle yet that shows me this football all the way through the fall. And we know he's falling. He's got to survive the ground. So on the field work, and this takes me to my era of officiating, that play really evolved the way that I always dealt with replay on plays like that. Every team reacted exactly the way that this new chess match has occurred with the implementation of replay. Uh, the Eagles complete a long pass down to the red zone. They're going to go no huddle as fast as they can and not substitute because at that time in the game, a defensive substitute, if an offense substitutes, we have to break down five or six seconds to let the defense match up, which also provides television five or six more seconds to get two or three more angles for the defensive team to look at to make their decision to challenge or not. Those decisions are real when that occurs. So Philadelphia being the, you know, gaining the advantage on this lack of angles or the time constraint, they take full advantage of getting this next snap off as quickly as possible. And then on San Francisco's sideline, uh, you know what? It looks like a catch in real time. I'm sure on the field, it's the same thing. Uh, but they're running quickly. Is that because they want us to keep our package in or because maybe they think he didn't catch it? So now within these two or three seconds of time, Kyle Shanahan, his coaching staff, someone upstairs more than likely looking at the TV set to see if they see an angle that allows them to communicate down to the field quickly, throw your flag before the snap. All of those elements are now taking place. And then as we see, you know, Philly gets to the, gets to the ball TV doesn't have time, Adam, to give maybe more than two. I don't even know if they got the third cut in by the time. You've got to leave those replays to do a good telecast and go back to the snap. So all of that got condensed, which, again, you always feel on the field in real time. So one of those seven officials needs to be extremely cognizant in this madness uh, of looking back towards San Francisco's sideline to see if Kyle Shanahan, if he chooses the challenge, throws this flag before the snap, right? Because seconds and fractions are involved in him making that decision. That's what took place in those five seconds of that chess match, and that's the clock. Um, so we know what transpired. Uh, and, and, and to make this explanation maybe a little longer for you for the last portion of it, now we have implemented expedited review. 
That's the new catch buzzword everyone's been cheering about. No long reviews for something that's pretty obvious in replay that they may have ruled incorrectly, right? Um, but where does that, where are the boundaries on that? It's not a black and white. I mean, what's clear and obvious to you and me and to the 59 million for our sake on Sunday, that's a sliding scale. So they initially rolled it out with the with the wording saying, look, after one or two quick, quick replays, normal replay sequence after a play, basically, if it's something's not jumping out, we're not stopping the game. Uh, as we climb the ladder in the games, though, it's not a 15 camera game. It's a 50 camera game. Right. There are multiple other angles. So if they pick the right angle on the first or second replay, now something that isn't normally obvious becomes obvious. So they didn't have the chance to change that in this little window of time. And I think as expedited review becomes more of the flavor of the year and it's going to, I have a feeling, I think the league needs to re kind of reposition themselves on how do we do challenges, right? The flag thing, I don't know. You know, you, you miss a layup play. Let's, let's say the foot's out of bounds clearly. And we don't have an expedited review. Well, I've got to challenge that with 13 minutes left in the first quarter. And I'm right, too, right? So, okay, I challenged them right. And now we have a play, let's say three minutes later, like the first down play we had in the AFC Championship with him reaching the ball to get the line to gain. And this is a tough play. Now, if I don't challenge this play, I've got a lot of answers in my post-game presser if I don't throw this flag. But if I throw the flag on this one and I'm wrong, I'm done with challenges for maybe the next three quarters of a football game. So now, but if they expedite review the first one, I don't have to use my challenge, right? So my feeling is, based on this new implementation, Let's get to the college platform. Each team gets three timeouts. If you want to call a timeout and then suggest to the officials to review the play and you're right that it needs to be overturned, then give you your timeout back. It's going to save a little bit of this other piece of this element while we embrace the enhancement of technology and angles and all of those things. What an answer, Gene. I love that. And that would make a lot of sense. I, I can't get enough. Let me give you three plays you were involved in in your career. And I want you to tell me which one stayed with you the most in real time. Calvin Johnson, Des Bryant, or my personal favorite, the index card. <laughs> you know, if we would have gone back, let's date ourselves. I was like envisioning Johnny Carson sitting there with the envelope on his hand as the great coronet, <laughs> you know, and I was just wondering if I could just be Ed McMahon for a minute and sit back in the chair to his right, you know, and belly laugh while while we decided what do you think the three questions might be or the three plays? I I think Karnak the Magnificent would have nailed those three as well. But uh, um, ironically enough, you know, none tops the other. <laughs> I think the index card separates itself naturally because that was just a decision made for a lot more reasons than maybe what the general public thinks. The index card was because that's what the old timers did to measure first yeah. out. Close, right and uh so in the midst i guess at as my as i actually aged more 
and had to deal with technology more out there when I just wanted to play football. Uh, the fact that there were cameras on the field and everyone's trying to find out was the pole extreme, you know, exactly perpendicular, the whole nine yards of all this technology. One of my crewmates who I love dearly knew me well enough to say, why don't we just forget all of this and do what the old timers do and pull your penalty card out and slide it down the pole. And uh, knowing that I was the kind of person that would probably take the bait on that suggestion in real time. (laughs) Um, that one endears me for those reasons, right? Like that, uh, that, that's, that's where that memory sits for me. And it's high in the, in the top, much to the dismay, I think of some family members, but, um, the other ones are, uh, are, you know, in my world, um, my career was kind of intertwined with, all of this evolution of what is there isn't a catch. Um, yeah, and it's interesting, Gene. And, and you were, I mean, I view you as one of the greatest all time officials, seriously, in basketball, in the NFL. And I remember Mike Pereira, I interviewed him right after the, the Calvin Johnson plays. Adam, listen, Gene nailed it. That's the right call. I still don't know if I agree with you, but I know by the letter of the law and what the hell the catch is, and I still have no idea, you got it right. I still think it was wrong, but I know you got it right. And you know what? You said it as well as anybody could say it just in that moment. And really a little side note nugget to that. That was Mike Pereira who hired me. That was his first game ever as a rules analyst in the NFL and this play hits. Um, So, and look, I I need to be perfectly honest to you, right? When you watch these plays and we think, and I use the phrase a lot, like in my backyard, that's a catch guys. Okay, let's go fight tomorrow. We'll fight after the game, my backyard, my rules catch, you know, he's falling. What, what Calvin's play really really took me to with the help of a replay official. There was no collaboration with New York on the Calvin Johnson play. This was myself, a replay official who was a 20 plus year retired NFL on field official, Paul Widener and a great friend. Now a really good replay guy collaborating on a play and truly uh, Adam, what the play really did to me was we, you know, when you write rules, uh, that has some subjectivity in them. At some point, that rule gets to its last step until it becomes something else, right? You take the definition to the cliff and then anything after that, okay, we're into the other element, the other answer. Calvin Johnson's play, airborne receiver coming down as he comes back to the ground is falling, but seems to be in control, but is falling by definition must survive the ground. He had the ground ball. He used it as like a third leg of a chair when it hit the end zone. He still had it in his hand, basically, when it hit there. And now he tries to squeeze it as he's just lifting it off of the ground and it comes out of his hand. Uh, at what point did this process finish? And he's just picking the ball up to hand to the official. Again, elongated tremendously by slowing the play down and making things look like they lasted minutes instead of fractions of a second the calvin johnson play opened my eyes to what happens when you do judgment and feel on the field and how we have to apply this whole replay thing now to the frame by frame 
principles and rules that replay has presented to the game. So based on some back and forth under the hood, and I liked being under the hood much better than in the middle of the field with an iPad. You have to be worried about your facial expressions and things. Seriously. If you're disagreeing with somebody in the year, you know, in the year at that point, uh, we collaboratively came to that. He did not survive. And, and the other nugget on Calvin's play is the back judge ruled incomplete. The field judge rules touchdown. So you had an immediate and real-time disagreement. It will forever live in that space. And then what do you try to do after that? You try to take something that everyone thinks their normal eyes told them one thing, and you're going to try to do what? Educate the audience into when a catch ends? We're... 12 years since then, 14 years since then, that conversation hasn't gotten any clearer. And then hence, five years later, we're in Green Bay. It's week round two of the playoffs. Fox is covering the game. I see Mike at six in the morning down at, in the hotel lobby for a bagel. And we chuckle, haven't seen you for a while. Listen, no matter what happens today, let's have no Calvin Johnson catch was literally said. And bang. Oh, you guys talked about that that literally. morning. Literally oh talked about it in, in passing, right? In, in a joking way, like That's have a great game, have a great game. Hey, no Calvin stuff today, right? Like, let's just get through. And then as fate would have it, you have a Des Bryant play with an amazing athletic possession of a football reaching for the end zone as he's falling. Is he falling or was he in control of his body before he started going to the ground? Because that makes surviving the ground one thing. And, and I'm in an upright runner and only breaking the plane another. And uh, a little more comfort from me, because by that time, Dean Blandino, who happened to be in the office, now you're collaborating with your replay official at the stadium, but you're also collaborating with Dean Blandino. So now we have more uh, angles and discussable things to take place with people who are trying to make sure we do this consistently. Uh, also, as fate has it, right, you come out, Calvin Johnson didn't catch it, Des Bryant didn't catch it, and then ironically enough for me, unbeknownst at the time, the last review I ever did in my career is in Super Bowl 52. And that's whether Zach Ertz's touchdown is a touchdown or not. And he is an upright runner. So when the ball hits the end zone by then, it doesn't matter. He's a runner breaking the plane of the goal line. So maybe inadvertently, I figured, look, finally, one of these reviews resulted in a catch. It's just time to retire. You know, so take the jersey off right in the middle of Minneapolis' stadium, walk off, drop it in there, and uh, and call it a career. So, I, you know, it, it follows me. Uh, and I didn't mean to go too long with it, but it's what's defined, you know, you put 35 years into something, and it comes down to these things, and that's part of this business. Yeah, and, and listen, in college basketball and NFL, you were one of the absolute best. And now – Phenomenal on television. Are you having as much fun as it seems? Because you have really revolutionized that position, in my opinion, for what you do for the NFL, for college, for college basketball. You know, the way you articulate the audience is hearing this now, the way you explain. You know, you're working with a you know great crew, great announcers, or great guys and, and gals in the truck. You, you know how to just explain it to everyone. You have a great skill in terms of it. You just your presence on air. You having as much fun as it seems? 
Oh, Adam, don't stop now. Shoot, this is as quiet as I've been in maybe in 25 <laughs> years. Uh, you sure that any of your kids? You have? You, I, I don't even know how. That was like a Kevin Harlan like open to me. You know? Um, uh, yeah, I am. You know what? I am, and uh, in, in the truest sense, I am because at 55, which truly is kind of in your prime, whether people love it or not, in an official's lifespan, if he keeps or she keeps himself healthy. And, uh, and gains the experience to be on that stage and do it right. Uh, I wiped the table and, uh, and went into something that I had absolutely zero experience with, you know, and, and I didn't start at the local television station or the local radio station to work out the bugs of what you all do, uh, which I always had an admiration for it, right? Because when you're a referee in the NFL, you talk to the producers before the game. We know we need 20 commercials or 16 commercials. We know to wave slow because seconds mean the world. You, I knew that element, right, when I was on the field. And my little percentage of making sure this production of this game, which is extreme, the most important part from the entertainment side, right, uh, is done properly. But then to walk into the CBS Broadcast Center, uh, it's just – it's a pinch me moment. I don't care if you're five or 55, it's surreal. Um, and then the talented people like yourself, all these people, and you know, as well as I do more so than me, these unbelievably talented people on the other sides of these cameras and what they do and the research and the work. And, and then you see this, just this effort. Uh, it, it's, it's humbling. It, it's humbling. Uh, Full transparency. Um, I really never really got nervous before games. I felt really in control, but I also walked through them. I, I was nervous, you know, when I was 22, but uh, this was the high, the height of anxiety for me to start this at this age. Uh, you know, can you do something like this? And then the nuances that were taking place in that IFB other than the throw to Gene, right? Um, but once in that seat, uh, the excitement, the unexpected uh, impulsive reaction of the game itself that presents what it does to you, your the demand for this role to digest, define, not get too over the top with these definitions to lose someone in a, which is the most challenging part of my job, a 10 to 15 second window. Um, and then get out and make sure the snap's taking place and there's time for the play-by-play -play to get in for the next snap and all this other stuff. It is, uh, it, it's the most fun I've ever had because it's what's happening today. And it's the biggest part of your life because you're in it. Uh, being an arm's length distance from Jim Nance and Tony Romo uh, in a press box, right? Oh, it's uh, great. I mean, come on, like you look and, and I remember the first time Jim threw to me, you know, I, I, I was like kind of looking at him, like, are we going to make eye contact here and, you know, go through a conversation, but it was Jim Nance throwing to you. Uh, so yeah, this is, uh, it's been amazing. And and without the help of, uh, of all of our executives and all of our talent people and the, the trainers and on all of the stuff that happens, um, you wouldn't have a chance. And, and now it, it feels comfortable to me. Uh, it's starting to, uh, and, uh, and, and that's a credit to everyone that does all of what we all know they do um, and some good fortune, you know, so I'm really digging this and uh, 
and I am, uh, you know, I'm getting pumped now for uh, for March Madness. You know, I it's know. like a breath or two, the balls change shapes, but the uh, the fun is going to be just the same. So uh, let's go, you know. Gene, you're the best. And, and that really poured through during this conversation. I've known it forever. You had such a decorated and legendary career as as an official uh, for the NFL and for college hoops. And you are just a shining star on CBS. And I know the audience really love this. I appreciate the time, my friend. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks so much, Adam. Take care. It's time for the Shine Wine. I love a good Merlot. It's interesting. Radio Row, Phoenix, Arizona. Usually it's nonstop NFL all the time. And then on Monday, we started out the show on Radio Row on China on Sports talking about Kyrie Irving. And listen, you guys know I think he is the absolute worst. He is a horrible person. He's unreliable. And I think this is a bad trade for the Dallas Mavericks, too, in terms of basketball. We had Charles Barkley on, Shine on Sports on Monday. Everyone and their mother, including mine, wanted Charles Barkley on their radio show, and we were the only show in America that got him because, you know, Charles loves the show, loves me, and loves Bob Stew. As he said on the air, Stewie texts me, I, I come on the show. That's how it works. And Chuckster said, listen, not enough in terms of basketballs to share with Kyrie and Luka Doncic. So for the Nets, it's addition by subtraction, and Kyrie was the absolute worst, and what an ultra disappointment. Durant and Kyrie, it amounted to absolutely nothing. Chaos, headache, distraction, just a complete and utter debacle, and I don't think this is going to work out in Dallas. I know it's not. I mean, look at Cleveland, how it ended, Boston, how it ended, Brooklyn, how it ended. Spoiler alert, it's going to end poorly uh, with the Dallas Mavericks, and I don't believe this team is going to do anything, even in the wide-open Western Conference, and I don't think they are better than the Denver Nuggets or even the team that I picked preseason, the L.A. Clippers. Bob, what was it like getting your guy, Charles Barkley, on? He said he's, you know, I get a text from Stewie, and you're a diehard Brooklyn Nets fan. What, what's your reaction? Well, to for, first off, Adam, I love Charles Barkley. He, he's unbelievable. He's so gracious with his time. He's so nice to every, treats everybody so nicely. And you never know, especially a legend, a Hall of Famer, somebody as big. Like, Charles Barkley is larger than life as a person, right? He just is, he's massive. So you never know. He's the nicest guy. It was wonderful getting him on the show. His opinions are always just, they're incredible. I mean, he already said the Eagles are winning the Super Bowl. He said, don't even bother watching the game. So I thought that was pretty funny. He's playing the parade and everything. So Charles is the best, right? As a Nets fan, Adam, I wanted to puke over the whole situation. I, I just cannot remember ever as a fan of any team watching a team on a night-in, night-out basis and not knowing how to feel not knowing if I could even root for the team to win. Because that's what Kyrie Irving did to you as a Nets fan. Like, you watch the game, you root for four of the five players on the floor. I mean, isn't that just, it's so weird. Like, you feel so conflicted. Now, granted, there's always going to be players that you root for on your favorite team that you say, you know, this guy did something maybe off the field. He did something you don't agree with. He said something you don't like. That happens in sports a lot, and you can feel conflicted. But with Kyrie Irving, the stuff he said was unforgivable. So as a sports fan... It was difficult even rooting for the guy. It was very difficult. The fact that he's off the team is fantastic. Yeah. Because now you feel like you can fully invest again and root for the team. You're 100% right. That's what it comes down to, Adam. You want to root for your team. You want to like the players on your team. You want a likable team also. But at the same time, 
you also want to look at the on-the-floor product, right? And Sean Marks literally turned James Harden, Jared Allen, Kyrie Irving, and, and Spencer Dinwiddie, who came back, and Karis LeVert. He's on the verge of the Nets being just a mediocre team. I mean, that's that's what this is. This era error is going to be over soon. And I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Durant was traded by the end of the week. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Wow. I wouldn't even – I wouldn't bat an eye. I mean, we you talked to Nick Ferdell on Shine on Sports, Adam. He says Kevin Durant didn't even address reporters at the game on no Monday worthy. night. No worthy. I mean, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone. It wouldn't shock me at all anymore. Nothing has surprised me at all with the Nets. Nothing. Kyrie Irving trade request, if anyone was surprised, you have not paid attention for the last three. You, you, didn't, you just closed your eyes. You closed your eyes to the whole situation, right? The James Harden thing didn't surprise me at all last year. Nothing at this point. Nothing surprises me at all with the Brooklyn Nets. So if Kevin Durant wasn't on the team anymore, I wouldn't bat an eye at him. Yeah, I, des- eye. I despise Kyrie. I'm happy he's gone. I feel bad for the great fans of the Dallas Mavericks. My dad, Jack Shine, he despises Kyrie more than anyone and with that said, it's time for texts from Jack Shine. It's time for texts from Jack Shine. So maybe there's someone else who Jack Shine dislikes as much as Kyrie Irving. <laughs> he thinks Woody Johnson, the owner of your <laughs> oh, football on. team, is, is a pretty awful yeah. owner yeah. and pretty bad person. So here is the text from Jack Shine. In fact, not, not that anyone ever doubts it. You, you can literally now, I'm sitting next to you. Oh, no. Look over my shoulder, right? I just, I know. I'm going to say it. We're going to have to put a warning oh, label on today's edition of the Adam Shine podcast. I can't say half of this. Woody Johnson is in deep shit reputationally. <laughs> Poppy says he'll pay substantially to bring in my guy, Mr. Rogers. Woody is a schmuck. <laughs> If he doesn't bring in Rodgers, that confirms it. Oh, my gosh. Adam, I I love how he thinks it's all about Woody, though. It's just only Woody's decision here. It's not not Joe Douglas or just Aaron not wanting to go to the Jets, potentially wanting to go play with Devontae. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'd go to the Raiders. I would. And, you know, you listen to the comments he made to Amanda Renner on CBS Sports Network. Sounds like he has a ton of interest in going to the Raiders. And, listen, I think if he goes to the Jets, that would be great for Aaron. Great for the Jets. They can obviously win big in in New York, but I, I think the Raiders and you know Raider Nation and playing Vegas and everything that goes into that. You know, I don't think the Raiders, even though they need some new offensive linemen and some help on defense, they were really competitive in a lot of those games. Had a lot of leads. They blew it. Mark Davis is desperate for the big name. Rogers still has a lot yeah. of gas left in the tank. Josh Jacobs has come out and said that you know re-signing a lot of it's going to be dependent upon the quarterback, and he would love to play with Aaron Rodgers. So I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, Bob. I'm on record saying all week long on China on Sports on radio that I'm picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm not getting duped by Patrick Mahomes anymore. You can't. And the hyperbole when he wins is going to be off the charts. Two championships in five years. You know, conversely, if he loses, you know, it goes one and two in the Super Bowl. Yeah. There's going to be a whole different discussion. So I think the game is going to be epic. You know, both teams have the same record. Both one seasons have the same number of all pros, score the exact same number of points. I think Kansas City, because of Patrick Mahomes, will win the Super Bowl big game from Travis Kelsey. I think all the stars will come to play for Kansas City like they always do. I'm taking the Chiefs to win in an epic game. Who you got? Yeah, see, I don't agree with you at all. And I just think 
And I understand Patrick Mahomes will be the best player on the field Super Bowl Sunday. The problem is his team isn't as good as the other team on Eagles the other side. Eagles are the more talented team. That's what this comes down to. And in a game like this, it always seems to be decided late. And especially this game is going to be close. We can all agree on that. The spread's close. The teams are close. I mean, identical point totals in the regular season. The fact of the matter is, though, these games are usually decided late. And what's it going to be decided by? It'll probably be decided by the best pass rush. And to me, that's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. They have so many guys on the defensive line. Got Sweat. You have Reddick. You have Hargrave. You have Jordan Davis. You have Brandon Graham, who already was a Super Bowl hero. You have guys who have already won a Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles, too. For all the talk about Mahomes and the Chiefs' experience, the Eagles have a lot of experience, too. You know, Kelsey, Lane Johnson, they have so many great players. To me, that Eagles defensive line is going to wear down the Chiefs' offensive line late. That's why I love the Eagles. I think they make a lot of big plays late, and that's how they win the game. It's also funny, though, Adam. I was also thinking about the whole Patrick Mahomes thing and how disappointed he was to lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. And he's been talking about that all week as a motivational factor. And it's funny because a lot of people have mentioned, too, like this is a must-win Super Bowl for Pat and his legacy, in theory, if he wants to be potentially the greatest quarterback of all time. I think, unfortunately, when he lost to Brady already, the ship has sailed. So, to me, I don't even know if it's much of a legacy conversation at this point. I just feel really bad for Pat because he does not have the better team here. I mean, he just he just doesn't. Which is why, if he wins, yeah. it's going to – because he clearly doesn't have the better team. Uh, it's going to take the legacy conversation to a fevered pit. It's going to be the and hype. Not, be not even tracks. a Brady conversation because yeah. we're not even close there. But, you know, where is he on the top ten? 100%. Like, that's where we're – is he – Two through five? It's going to be five. Is yeah. he right? I mean, because I could be sit here now. and give you my top five with with Brady and Manning and Montana and Elway and Aaron Rodgers. Of course. But, you know, if you put Patrick Mahomes now in that category and he has another Super Bowl compared to Travis Rodgers now. Rogers organization has let him down forever. Oh, of course. But the conversation's going to go to a different level. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Adam. And that's why this one is so important for him because he's going to get some more cracks in the future at winning Super Bowls. So he's got to really bank this one here. I mean, he gets two already. I mean, the, the hype train will be off the tracks for the rest of his career. And legacy talk, Adam, we're, we're going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes for the rest of our lives if he wins another one here. Which, by the way, will be great for us on the podcast and on Shine on Sports. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Gene Steratore, how amazing was that? Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM, our listeners on Pandora. Thanks to our listeners on Apple Podcasts and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Shine on Sports weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82, and on the SXM app. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Sirius XM Podcasts.
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.